0: Also, be sure to stick around for the end of every episode where I'm going to reflect on the conversation and offer actionable coaching insights to have a real impact on your life. In the meantime, we've opened up access to three free e courses on uturnpodcast.com. So head on over there if you want to land a new job you love, find your purpose, or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you got to do is head on over to uturnpodcast.com. That's Y O U T U R N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest.
1: How can I show up as my most authentic and best self? What are the barriers that come in in the way of those things? What are the aspects can be flexible and what are the aspects that I can't be flexible on? For example, for me, I cannot be flexible on uh, needing isolated alone space to produce output. I really need that in order to work. Mm -hmm. And so how can you take some time in your week to reflect on those things and to almost make like a pie chart of how you're spending your time and how you wish you were spending your time uh, to really help yourself figure out, you know, what really matters and how you can start changing, how you block your time every day to focus more on the things that are inherent to your value system and less on the things that might not.
0: Hey, U-Turners. It's Ash here, and we are going to talk about one of my favorite topics because I know how rampant this is, and it's how to recognize burnout, how to stay, keep your focus, how to notice where you're putting your attention, and just take care of yourself, whether it's preventing it or, if you have it, overcoming it. And that's why I wanted to bring Margaret Price onto the show. She's a strategist, educator, and she's an explorer on culture, philosophy, humanity, technology, and her career has placed her at the forefront of product innovation and organizational transformation. So her passion is all about identifying latent human needs, framing opportunities, and fueling experimentation. And that's taken her to over 40 countries. She's worked with everyone, whether it's FASCO World-Changing. Uh, she was nominated as a FASCO World-Changing Idea, featured in the Smithsonian. I could go on and on, spoke at Southwest, uh, South by Southwest. I mean, there's just so much here, and her expertise is really about combating stress, recognizing burnout, and so much more. Margaret, thank you for making the time to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I I know that everybody who starts to study burnout, usually they've experienced it themselves. So I'm keen to kind of know what got you into the fascination.
1: Sure. So I think it started a long time ago. Uh, I've been diagnosed with ADHD a number of times. And so there are a lot of really positive aspects and superpowers that come along with having ADHD, like a hyper ability to focus. But another component of that is uh, dealing with external stimuli can be really difficult And so I was interested in studying focus and attention to think about ways I could combat stress in my own life on a personal level and on a professional level, studying stress and well-being and attention to think about how we at Microsoft can create technology and products to actually help with some of these problems.
0: Okay, and, you know, I'm so curious what your opinion is on ADHD because I I used to split my time between Paris and Los Angeles. And one of the things that I noticed being in Paris was the French look at ADHD in a completely different way, you know, like here, it's, it's something to be medicated. Whereas there, um, they start to look at the whole of the person, like what's going on in your family. What are you eating? Stuff like that. Um, what's your opinion on like diagnosing ADHD, people who have it, um, just kind of what insight do you have about it as someone who experienced it?
1: Sure. Sure. So uh, I'm not a medical professional, but my lived experience is such that I don't take any form of medication. For me, that's not a lifestyle choice that I want to make. So I look at kind of the more European philosophy, which is how can I think about the complex set of biological and psychological factors that are part of my experience and think about, controlling and not controlling in certain instances, my energy where it's appropriate. So for example, I work out two to three hours a day. I eat a consistent diet of protein, fiber, and fat. I have very consistent sleep patterns. I do all of these different types and forms of interventions to help control some of the more negative symptoms that I experience that maybe other people don't. And I actually have kind of this pet peeve where people say things like, oh, I'm so ADD or I'm so ADHD and kind of this colloquialism that we have with a scattered attention when when you actually have a more neurodiverse uh, personality or set of attributes, it can be really, really difficult to live and function in what might be considered as normal society. And so my belief is that uh, how can we embrace all of our diversity to understand in whatever way we need to manage our lives so that we can actually have uh, a fulfilled existence. And I studied philosophy, so I'm all about studying existence and happiness and how we can uh, deconstruct some of the more negative aspects of our life, like stress and attention and well-being. To uh, to have more positive outcomes.
0: Mm, beautiful, and I know that you've done a lot of research on attention and focus. And you know, this is a topic that we I hear so many people struggle with, especially in a world where co working spaces are on the rise, and people are surrounded in the workplace by people having conversations around them. So, would love to just hear some of your research and findings around attention, focus, and distraction.
1: Yeah, so we know that some types of stress can be really stimulating and invigorating, mobilizing us into action. Uh, Others can be really draining and incapacitating. You know, you mentioned open spaces for some people, for example, who can work at a coffee shop with music, with smells, with sounds, with lighting, that can be really uplifting. And for other people like myself, that's sort of a worse nightmare. Mm -hmm. So I actually spent a couple of years interviewing and studying people who had difficulty with uh, navigating the world and attention. So people like myself who have ADHD, people on the autism spectrum, people who were blind, people who were deaf. I also studied people who were interrupted in high stress jobs. So I interviewed air traffic controllers and chefs and servers in a restaurant. So for example, when you're walking into a restaurant, you're kind of opting into being interrupted. And let's say you and I are at a restaurant we're having a really immersive discussion Mm -hmm. Well, a really, really good server would know when to interrupt us and how to interrupt us in a way that would complement and not take away from that experience. A really bad server, which we've all had, might interrupt too much and it might be a little bit aggravating. Or uh, inversely, we might have to go and try and kind of track them down. Mm. And so, uh, but a really, really good server kind of understands and knows and intuitively using their EQ, when and how to interrupt you. So I did a lot of this research to kind of think through... Uh, really big questions like how do we create for more sustained concentration? How do we know when it's appropriate to actually interrupt someone? How do we think about things like task switching uh, and multiple tasks at once? So, for example, you might have your headphones in while you're folding laundry, and those things don't compete for attention. But if you're checking Facebook and then jumping to work on something, and then you know doing constant toggling between tasks, that can actually be really detrimental. Mm. And so. Uh, I did a number of uh, pieces of work with all different kinds of people to try to learn about interruption And how we at Microsoft could think about creating technology that actually helps and not harms, uh, particularly knowing the cost of interruption, which is pretty significant. You know, it takes us an average of, I think it's 25 minutes to get back into a task after we've been interrupted. Mm. And so there are all of these ways that we can think about being more mindful about creating for interruption, uh, In a more detailed way
0: yeah it's almost like what can people do in the workplace especially if they tend to get interrupted often because i know it can be kind of awkward to navigate the communication and boundary around that like maybe you have somebody who shares a cube with you and they keep tapping you to tell you something funny when you're on a deadline and you're stressed so i know one side of it is just how to talk to people but the other side of it is creating a dr- distraction-free culture for yourself or identity for yourself. You know, like for me being in personal development, I've read that um, when you create an identity, people question it less. So, for example, um, saying, I don't eat sugar. Like, it's just not something I do. Um, so, I'm sure there's some communication you can have around, you know, I don't I don't talk when I'm working or something like that. but what suggestions do you have for somebody who's in a busy workspace that really wants to get focus and ROI? Like for me, I love putting my noise-canceling earphones on when I'm in the zone because nothing says don't talk to me quite like those huge bulky earphones, you know?
1: Absolutely. And the co-working space is such a great example. So a couple recommendations. One is taking a step back and understanding what motivates you and your own value system and then knowing the value system of those around you. So for example, I value more than most things, efficiency and productivity. I don't value, you know, talking to coworkers about kind of personal things. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, if I know that my coworker really, really values talking about their weekend I schedule time. I block out my time from four in the morning until nine at night. Everything is time blocked so I can be most efficient and I will block out time to have more personal conversations with people so that it's scheduled and intentional and purposeful rather than interruptive. Mm. And so part of that is setting the expectations and communicating your value system with people around you and mapping your window of tolerance and saying, uh, you know, here are my conditions for success in this environment. This is where I can be flexible. So for me, I can be flexible and I can offer a few hours here and there that are pre-scheduled in my week for kind of low cognitive, low tasks. So if I'm sitting at a desk and I'm emailing and someone interrupts me, that's okay because I've scheduled that time to allow for different forms of interruption. Versus when I need complete silence and isolation to actually produce something, I go and I hide in another completely different environment. Because personally, for me, if you're sitting at your desk and you're interruptible, in my world, uh, you know, I, I question, you know, what are you really producing? And so there's a lot there about mapping, you know, what you need to be successful and setting the expectations with the people around you to ensure a heightened level of self-awareness for both yourself and your own needs, but also the people around you.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people that comes back down to knowing yourself and a lot of people don't feel like they know themselves, you know, so do you have any insights or thoughts that help people kind of connect to who they really are or what they would need as far as just like you know removing distractions or getting focused since everybody's so different
1: sure i would recommend uh creating a space for self-reflection whether that be in commute at the beginning of the day when maybe everyone else is sleeping or at the end of the day how can you take even if it's 15 minutes to really critically ask yourself a few questions, like, what are my core values in the workplace? What am I most motivated? What am I most motivated by? How can I show up as my most authentic and best self? What are the barriers that come in in the way of those things? What are the aspects? be flexible? And what are the aspects that I can't be flexible on? For example, for me, I cannot be flexible on uh, needing isolated alone space to produce output. I really need that in order to work. Mm-hmm. And so how can you take some time in your week to reflect on those things and to almost make like a pie chart of how you're spending your time and how you wish you were spending your time uh, to really help yourself figure out, you know, what really matters and how you can start changing how you block your time every day to focus more on the things that are inherent to your value system and less on the things that might not. And in doing so, like learn about yourself a little bit more to say, hey, I actually really need X how can I learn the right language to communicate with my colleagues or with my manager so that I can with confidence, you know, say what I need to help, uh, help the business move forward.
0: Yeah. And over at u I know a lot of listeners have heard me talk about um, u-turnpodcast.com slash core values. We have a core values guide. And this is really key because for some people, family is a core value. And it's like, if your work, work day is running you and people are distracting you, it's going to take away from that time you have with your family. And I'm sure people. People feel that, but they're not always being mindful of it. So really good. And um, kind of going into burnout, this has become such a common word in our culture. I'd love your take on what is it, what does it mean, and for some people to kind of start to identify whether they're experiencing that definition you give.
1: Sure. So I think about being in a state of uh, emotional or physical or mental uh, exhaustion, Like, at the end of the day, if you, or at the beginning of the day, if you feel like there's sort of, you're always tired, or you're constantly running from thing to thing, you sort of feel like your body is a living ping pong ball, sort of jumping back and forth between these different places, you might experience physical symptoms of things like shortness of breath or dizziness, might have a lot of anxiety or depression, or even eager, uh, like, eagerness that might shift to anger or irritability really, really quickly, you might start not enjoying the things that you used to enjoy or feel a little bit hopeless, uh, because you feel like you've got so much to do, but you haven't quite figured out how yet to Mm. do all of those things. And so we think about like extended exposure to stress, especially to a variety of stressors at the same time, uh, can add up to this kind of extreme exhaustion that we call burnout.
0: Okay, so what I want to ask is kind of going back to this idea you said earlier around stress and that tipping point where you had indicated that some stress is a really good thing, and then some is not. So where is that tipping point for people to understand good stress versus the kind that's going to turn into burnout?
1: Every individual is probably going to be different in what they can take and how they experience that. So likely the line for all of us is different. And the the clue is to really live in curiosity about how your body is feeling, the talk track that you have in your head, and what's going on around you to know and to check with yourself, you know, where is my limit? (laughs) How many hours a week can I put into X thing before I start feeling, you know, anxious, for example? And how can I think about the connection between my health and my emotions uh, in a way that gives me all of the information I need to make decisions. Because like I said, I think every person is going to be really, really different. And so it's a matter of learning a lot of self awareness uh, for what you need Mm -hmm. and where you're triggered and what triggers you and how you can, uh, you know, help solve those problems for yourself rather than kind of projecting them onto other people.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we live in a world where, the top performers are usually rewarded with more work because their employer sees that they're a great producer. And obviously there's that tipping point where even the best performers are going to start to burn out. Um, what are some prevention steps that people can take right now where maybe they're working really hard at work and they have a lot of energy for it, but they can feel themselves starting to tire out or start to get cynical about all of it or feel powerless like you talked about? What are some ways to prevent it?
1: So things that I've done to help prevent burnout are sort of what we talked about a little bit earlier, which are kind of mapping my window of tolerance and knowing my body and what my body is trying to tell me and having really deep somatic self-awareness. So somatic self-awareness is all about knowing the language of your body. Sometimes we have these talk tracks in our head that are going, 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 but we might feel something physically like heat Or we might feel what we're calling anxiety, which manifests as, you know, a sensation that's like a ping pong ball going from your, you know, from your head to your feet. And so really deeply studying and learning the language of your body and of your mind and of your heart to know, you know, what's happening and how can I take a minute to stand for myself and for what I need, because ultimately, uh, our feelings are our own responsibility. And so setting boundaries and setting expectations is so important for people who might feel powerless to say, actually own your dignity, take your dignity back and feel vulnerable and describe to yourself what's wrong and what needs to happen. And that might mean a decision about a team to leave. Uh, That might mean a decision about a number of things that you can make to uh, move into an environment that's actually gonna be more healthy for you.
0: Okay. So I'm thinking about a client I have where they are a top performer and, um, they have, you know, 40 to 50 client accounts for business development. And these clients are emailing them around the clock and their boss loves them because they're incredible, but lately they are just spent. Um, what would you say is the first step for somebody like that?
1: I would say the first step is to take a few hours off maybe on a weekend instead of working all weekend because I bet that person does Mm -hmm. uh, as I absolutely have a tendency to do as well and to really think about the time blocks in their day and Take a step back and think through what's the single most important thing as we grow in our career, we all, I can be in meetings for fifteen hours a day and then have another you know five hours a day of work, but it's a conscious choice to recognize uh, where you really want to commit your time and where you actually need to say no and how saying no can be an empowerment to get even more work for that particular person. So I would say, boundary setting with their clients, uh, which can actually be really healthy and important, Mm. Uh, boundary setting with themselves, because if you're not setting boundaries for you, everyone is going to take advantage of you and your time. So you need to be really diligent about knowing what your limits are and not allowing people around you, whether it's your clients or whether it's your manager to go over that. So it's sort of like the manage up, manage out strategy and approach.
0: Mm -hmm. And I know in a client-driven world, especially if you work at a service-based business, there's a lot of fear around telling your client, hey, I don't answer emails after this time, or hey, um, you know, please don't email me for this thing that isn't worth an email. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Um, Do you have any communication tools or suggestions for people to approach conversations that create boundaries from
1: their burnout? Sure. I think it goes back to understanding universal motivations and universal fears. So let's talk about universal fears for a minute. So if you're somebody and you're emailing somebody else at midnight, right? Really looking at the intent behind that behavior. Sometimes I send an email at midnight and it's never my expectation that someone will read it or respond. It's simply that that's my only time to do it. So taking a step back for that person and asking, okay, is an immediate response needed or required? And what is the fear of the person if there's a sense of urgency? Are they feeling fear of, like, maybe they feel out of control, for example. Maybe they feel rejected or misunderstood. Maybe they feel like a fraud. Mm -hmm. Understanding their universal desires. Maybe they really want to feel understood. And having an honest conversation that says, hey... It's not about necessarily setting a boundary that says, uh, I won't accept emails after X time, which certainly works for some people, but you might want to consider, uh, you know, why is that person emailing you at that time? Have a conversation with them about it. Do you expect a response Uh, or is this urgent to you? And if it is urgent to you, let's talk about it and let's talk about the future of our relationship and how we can make sure that this works for both of us, tapping into the other person's, you know, desire and fear. You know, for example, uh, I was in client service at one point in my life and I had one client who emailed me all hours You know, and I felt powerless because I felt like, you know, I wanted to keep this business. I really wanted to build a relationship with this person. And so I ended up working, you know, 100-hour work weeks until I sat down with her and I said, hey, let's really talk about this. And it turned out she felt out of control. She felt blindsided by the people that she was working with. And so we worked together to say, hey, let's map out a strategy for both of us so that we can help uh, get the universal desires and eliminate kind of the universal fears that are happening here to make sure that both of us are really set up for success as partners.
0: Mm. You know, what this makes me think about too, is kind of going back to that thing of identity. If somebody says, I don't eat sugar, you're going to see people not convincing them to have sugar as much as the person that says, I'm trying not to have it for a week. That's when people are like, oh, well, just it's this birthday cake is so good. Um, I think it's the same thing around uh, how you work. Like a lot of the times when I see that there's some sort of boundary that I feel is being violated, I have to ask myself, Have I even created a boundary? Because sometimes people get frustrated, but it's like boundaries are created. They're not something that comes with a relationship. You decide on them. And um, it could be helpful, I think, for anybody listening to consider the question if they have clients and they're feeling run by them. Have you ever talked to your clients and said, this is how I work? You know, because I think about this person who is a client of mine that, um, you know, that top performer that is doing so well with that big book of clients. I wonder what would have happened if when she got on the phone with a new client, she said, hey, you know, welcome to the team. I'm so excited to be working with you. Let me um, talk to you a little bit about how I've been working and how I work so that you know what to expect moving forward um, versus it being a total shit storm. And then next thing we know, they need to set these boundaries. Do you have any thoughts uh, just to kind of take this further for anybody who's wanting to
1: communicate around that? Uh, I think to your point, in the very beginning of any relationship or frankly, midway through it, mm-hmm. I've scheduled many meetings that were the subject line was, let's talk about how to work together. Great. And really being vulnerable and sharing, you know, for example, myself, I have ADHD. I cannot sit in an office. Uh, I can't sit still for very long periods of time, and so I need to go have isolated moments to produce my output. So because of that, you're just not going to see me 24-7. That doesn't mean I'm not working constantly, but it means that you might not see me. So let's talk about that. I'm constantly available in this way. This is how I like to work. And then you allow the other person as well, often starting with them and saying, hey, how, if you're in client business, right, how can I best... How can we best have a, um, a working relationship? What are the things that motivate you? What are your big fears? What's happening in your world? How would you like to communicate if there is a sense of urgency? And then let's talk about when there's not a sense of urgency and then let's set some conditions for success. So for me to be successful, you know, I need X, Y, and Z. And really clearly and vulnerably stating what you need is I think one of the most important things that we can do because if not... Uh, we can start to feel that powerlessness. And also when we do that, more often than not, I find that the person on the receiving end of the conversation is going through very similar things themselves. And so having that moment of empathy and connection and using a learning mindset instead of a fixed mindset to say, Hey, we can actually learn together. We're not in a fixed state here. This is absolutely changeable. <laughs> but let's really think about how we want to work to be successful.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And as far as root causes
0: of burnout, I know that everybody kind of meets their burnout sometimes differently. Uh, What would you say are the top three or four root causes of why people end up burnt out?
1: Good question. So often not creating the mental or emotional boundaries and living in a world where you feel completely trapped and as though you're on autopilot without even taking a minute and then end up spending a significant more amount of time (laughs) doing something, uh, and it might be putting it into work as a context than other things. Um, And I think the root of that is not knowing yourself or having the self-awareness, the deep, deep seated self-awareness and vulnerability to set those boundaries and expectations, Mm -hmm. which is hard. It's so hard for all of us. I've experienced a lot of stress and burnout myself. And if someone would tell me that, I would say, no, I am self-aware. I'm experiencing it right now. And then I would walk back and think, well, actually, you know, it's really my responsibility. I'm the captain of my own destiny and I'm the person who can solve my problems. You can't count on somebody else to help solve that for you. Although there are many, many people like yourself and coaches and therapists who can, who can help you learn both kind of the mental and the somatic Mm -hmm. uh, self-awareness.
0: Yeah. Like I know the body with the second gut having more than 200 million neurons, the size of a cat or dog's brain. It's like our body is telling us when something feels like a no, and we're just not tuning in and connecting, but one thought that you shared earlier that i'm really still holding on to is you talked about powerlessness Um, and so I wanted to ask about that because I know in my case, I had a business that felt bigger than me. I had 10 employees and the revenue wasn't adding up and my overhead. And I felt like I was carrying a weight on my shoulders every night before I went to bed. And I I physically felt like I was suffocating, you know, from it. So uh, to me, it was like a powerlessness of like, there's nothing I can do to fix this. Like, this is my fate. Like I created this. I need to get myself out of it. Um, Can you share a little bit about what powerlessness could look like for somebody that maybe is on the path for burnout from that?
1: Sure. I think it can look like exhaustion in a never ending race to complete something that you never feel like can be complete. And that exhaustion can feel like this sense of hopelessness. Like you really feel like there's no decision that you can make (laughs) that's actually going to impact your situation in a positive way. And you might be putting that on other people and saying, but this person and this person and this person, uh, which is absolutely valid in that lived experience. uh, How? going back to kind of that embodied self of sense of of self-awareness and sort of the feeling about versus thinking about what's happening and knowing that our bodies communicate with us and they have since the beginning of humanity. And so knowing how to have that self-awareness is so important because if we don't act, it's a form of self-betrayal. And so I would say that that powerlessness that we're talking about, it's a way of contradicting your inner needs. It's sort of this mismatch between what you need and what you're allowing yourself to do. And so that's why it's so important to think about how to become aware, live in choice, have vulnerability, and be really, really mindful about the boundaries and your communications.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And I guess for some people it's probably just time to leave your job if you feel powerless and you've spoken up tried to set a boundary or whatever and the um, you know the fire hose is still blowing at you it's like what can you do I just would love some research or any data that you have on the workforce as it relates to burnout or even focus Um, what can you share with us um, to get a pulse on what's going on in the workforce or with people in general right now with these two topics
1: Sure. So we know that at work, the average amount of time that people spend on a single thing before being interrupted is about three minutes, uh, and that it takes an average of about 25 minutes to return back to your original task after being interrupted. And so that kind of multitasking actually brings about a 40% drop in productivity, which is really, really, really significant. because you know everybody focuses and filters information in a different way but our inability to sustain focus or attention when we want to feel productive to accomplish a task it really has a lot of implications for our overall well-being because these constant interruptions by internal or external you know triggers it leads to a vicious cycle mm-hmm. you know stress anxiety uh, you know depletion, And with an inadequate amount of time and this fragmented attention, we're unable to do our best work and prioritize our goals. So a lot of our research continues to show the importance of attention management and how best to do that and to adapt to that uh, in the workplace.
0: Mm, Okay, and I'm sure companies are, you know, because I hear it for all the time as a consultant, like companies want to retain their employees, they want to keep them productive. Um, Do you have any apps or tools that you found to be really impactful for the person who wants to focus?
1: So things that I use... Uh, I constantly journal using my notes on my phone to have these moments of Mm self-reflection. I use this tool uh, from Microsoft called My Analytics, which is basically a way of uh, giving you self-awareness in ways that you might not have expected. So, for example, it can tell you how many hours a day you've been emailing which is really interesting when you think about it because you might not actually know how much time you spend emailing Mm -hmm. until this tool can help tell you, this is how long you've been emailing. This is how many meetings you've had in a day. And if those things are really uh, blending together, you can realize, oh, I'm actually emailing in all of my meetings. Interesting. Am I going to meetings that I shouldn't be going to? Because if I'm just going to be sitting there emailing, perhaps I should hit decline. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also something in windows that I use, uh, that helps turn off a lot of the external notifications. So when I'm in a state of focus and I just want to like produce my output, I can actually turn uh, this on and it can help turn away a lot of those things so that I'm not actually being pinged by all of these different uh, notifications, which for me can be a really kind of net negative uh experience on my machine when I'm working
0: mm. well this also makes me think about social media and how sometimes I notice for me it's like an addictive outlet where I'm like oh I'm just going to scroll and see it. and I, I don't follow a lot of people on social media so I'm like oh what are my friends doing and it's kind of like I'm tired or I don't want to be working at that moment so I just kind of distract myself um what do you have to share just around addictive relationships to technology or addiction to the distraction because I know that we are a very addicted society to so many things that aren't really serving the direction we want to go in life and at work
1: yeah I think it goes back to deep breath (laughs) yeah what we were talking about earlier with you know what's your motivation and how do you really want to spend your time? You know, there's this quote uh, from a well-known author, Mary Dillard, who says, you know, how you spend your day is how you spend your life. Mm. And so I question and think, how do you really want to spend your life and your time? And there's no right or wrong answer to that. It's very individual practice. And it's tough. You know, I can catch myself scrolling through Instagram and then I realize, wait, did I just spend an hour doing that? What, yeah. what, and then taking a step back and realizing, is that how I want to spend my time? And the answer for me personally as an individual is no, it's not. And so I take periods of time when I delete all social media from my phone for a couple of days to a couple of weeks at a time, uh, because I don't want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of meditation and taking breaks. I do a lot of, uh, kind of recognizing transition moments. I used to be a diver. Mm -hmm. And so when you dive, you actually need to come up at a really, really slow rate, because if you don't, you're putting yourself at physical jeopardy. Mm -hmm. And so that analogy has really held for me, uh, because that transition between the deep sea and shallow waters holds true in life for these kind of temperamental transition zones between busy pace of life and a much more or less intense pace. Uh, and so how can you carefully construct those zones for yourself in those transition moments? And if that means scrolling through social media helps you transition and it's healthy, then that's great. But if you're doing it because you feel like you have to or because you're distracting yourself, then that's not... Uh, I would say, particularly the most healthy thing. And so live in some self-awareness about that and about why you're doing it and about how you want to spend your time to maybe create some different ways of approaching uh, your day.
0: Yeah, and I I can't help but ask about health because uh, in my case, I I had a friend recently who got breast cancer and she was under a lot of stress for like a, a few weeks. She did a live event and had 500 people show up and she found a lump which ended up being a really aggressive breast cancer a few weeks after her event. And she told me, she said, this was not here before my event. And so I would just love to learn from you a little bit about what, effect is stress having on our health because some people are going to listen to this and they're going to think, yeah, but this is just like a one-year spurt. I'm in a startup and I just need to like have at it where it's like, yeah, but we're still limited by our physical body. Our body is a vessel. And for me as a writer, if my body's off at all, I can't write really well. So it affects my career directly if I don't feel well um, as somebody who's artistic and creative. Um, What do you have for anybody, you know, that maybe has face burnout? Um, Because I know there's a lot of science behind really high periods of stress, um, you know, or maybe like a long-term stress exposure triggering illness or something like that and sometimes even for me I have fear around that because I was in about two years of trying to fix a business and when my nervous system got the opportunity to calm down and close the doors on it and accept it it was like wow I've been fight or in fight or flight for two years like I hope this doesn't give me some sort of illness like what are some thoughts you have on that
1: That's a great point. So I'll caveat my thoughts uh, with I'm a uh, researcher for technology, not a doctor in any way. (laughs) And so the research that I have done, Uh, is a lot more about kind of the mindfulness than actual science. Although I will recommend there's a book called The Balance Within, The Science Connecting Health and Emotions. Mm. And it's actually this really, really great book that examines the interplay of our emotions and emotional health and talks a lot about the concrete experience of stress and how it affects your immune system and how it affects your brain function. Uh, And to your question, you know, it's interesting on a personal level, uh, with ADHD, because I have so much energy, I could literally be up and working for 23 hours of a day and be okay for a couple weeks at a time. That would obviously lead to really, really detrimental long-term effects. Mm -hmm. So I have to take constant moments to remind myself, oh yeah, drink a bunch of water during the day, eat protein, fiber, and fat. Get seven and a half hours of sleep Uh, because I think there's a big difference between what we can push our bodies to do versus what's the healthy limit of what we should be pushing our bodies to do, which just circles around back to, you know, knowing your limits and knowing where you want to cap those limits So that you can live your most fulfilled, you know, and happy life.
0: It's so funny that you're bringing this up because I was just kind of making fun of one of my wellness friends. I happen to be friends with a lot of wellness entrepreneurs, which is ironic because I have a big sweet tooth and I've cared about my wellness, but only in the most recent years. And... You know, I mean, obviously everybody cares about their wellness, but I haven't really taken many steps. And just listening to you, it's such feedback. Like a lot of the times we're looking for that green juice or for that supplement that gives us energy when the truth of the matter is like, are you sleeping eight hours a night or whatever it is that your body needs? Are you drinking enough water? You know, like just back to the basics, you know, are you working out Um, these sorts of questions? So kind of going back to the basics, like what are some things that um, somebody could do to overcome and start to heal outside of just setting verbal boundaries from burnout?
1: I think taking uh, space and time to do things that are going to nourish you in whatever your definition of nourish means. So for me, when I had uh, burnout, I have a lot of joy from working out. Uh, And I have to work out to control my energy levels. And so I actually took a couple days off which really radically changed the way that I viewed stress and burnout earlier this summer. And I did like four hot yoga classes a day. I went on runs, I went to therapy, I had leadership coaching. I mean, I had these sort of ideal days, uh, which I was very privileged. uh, And because of my privilege, I was able to do. And it was really nourishing to me. And then I took another day to just journal And ask myself a lot of questions about my boundaries, about how I could become more self-aware with both uh, what's happening mentally, but also what's happening physically Mm -hmm. and to live in choice. You know, we have this never ending race for balance and it's, uh, you know, Building an ability to choose what we think, feel, and do rather than living in stress about conflicting demands is so important. And so I allowed myself that time to really think about how I wanted to structure my life and how I wanted to structure my work day. And so now I actually, every week, this is very nerdy of me, but I create pie charts literally of how my time is spent. And then another one of how I want my time to be spent. And then I change course and I figure out now moving forward, I spent way too much time in meetings. Okay, great. How can I modify that for tomorrow? Okay, great. Here's the step I can take to do that. And so I think, uh, nourishment, (laughs) nourishment, 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 and defining what nourishment means to you and allowing yourself the time to do that and knowing that it's not your job to make people around you comfortable with your decisions. And so that takes a lot of vulnerability and courage to say, hey, I'm taking, you know, two days off if you have the privilege of doing that and here's what I'm going to do. And mm-hmm. uh, So for me, it, it really changed me and helped me recover when I experienced burnout.
0: Wonderful. And um, this has just been so helpful as we're closing out before I ask you where everybody can find you and i learn about you. What are some, if you could just leave anybody listening right now with a final message to support them in their wellness and uh, dodging the burnout bug that I think so many people have, what would you have to say for people to remember about this?
1: That leisure is an absolute necessity And while it can feel like a self-indulgent luxury to be pursued on occasion rather than an essential part of life, it is absolutely essential because every single one of us can experience stress and burnout and feeling like we're not in control. But in fact, we all are in control. If we take a step back and learn to see what we might be able to do differently in spending our day so that we can make our lives that much better.
0: Mm, beautiful. Thank you so much, Margaret. And where can everybody continue to learn from you or what books can they buy to go deeper on this topic outside of the one you recommended?
1: So given uh, my burnout, I'm actually not on Twitter, but I'm a big Instagram person these days. So I'm uh, Marga Price on Instagram. You can also find me on LinkedIn or my website. And as far as other books... Uh, I'd recommend reading a book about somatic uh, healing. I can send you the link for it, the name of which is escaping me in this moment. (laughs) Uh Uh, But there are a couple of them that I can send you to post.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much,
1: Margaret. I appreciate your time. Wonderful. Thank you.
0: Hey there, it's Ash here. And I am just reflecting on the episode with Margaret Price about burnout. And, you know, I'll never forget listening to, I believe it was Mark Groves, who was on another YouTube podcast episode. And as a friend, he was saying to me in communication, he said, you know, anyone who ever has resentment really just has poor boundaries. And it took me a minute to understand that, that he was basically saying, if you have resentment or anger or irritability, that is kind of chronic, um you just don't have good boundaries, meaning that you didn't speak up or say something or create a boundary around something that you needed to do. And I think a lot, a lot about burnout and how a lot of the times we didn't have good boundaries on our journey there. And we just didn't even know that we needed to create boundaries. And I think a lot of this has to do with knowing ourselves. And I think that's what gets a lot of us stuck in burnout where we kind of are running, 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 doing, 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 and maybe we're really inspired by what we're doing. Maybe we're not. Um, but we kind of like put our head up after we're working for a while and we realize that we have no fuel left in our tank and it kind of feels like it sneaks up on us. And when that happens, I think it's that we didn't even notice um, along the way who we really are and what we really need. And I think knowing thyself is so important for so many different things. Number one, creating meetings on your calendar, for example, like, are you the kind of person that can hop in from meeting to meeting to meeting? Or do you need a second in between to take your notes and and process what you just learned? Um, you know, that's just one example. Um, I also think there's beyond just knowing yourself, like, for example, with me, whenever I write a blog post for Forbes, I know that Yeah. It only takes me an hour to write the blog post. It probably takes me like an hour and a half of just like avoiding the blog post and walking around my house until I kind of get my hands on the laptop and think, okay, now I know what I want to say. So I schedule knowing that, and that has been huge in preventing my burnout is I'm not scheduling myself back to back in a way where it's not honoring what I know to be true about how I operate, what I need. And so if in any way you're feeling a little bit of burnout right now I would just want to encourage you to tune into yourself and really ask like what do I need right now that I'm not getting? Like what do I wish for right now that I'm not getting or what what am I noticing about myself and what is the thought that I'm having about why this is here? You know sometimes we just operate at a pace that is so quick that Like I said, burnout can kind of sneak up on us, which I think there's such a better way available. Another reason I think a lot of people have burnout is that they're just low on purpose. And I know we kind of talked a little bit about this in the episode, you know, like to me, low energy just means low purpose. And a lot of us set goals and have plans that we have to like push ourselves through to get there. And we become socially conditioned and used to pushing versus having some sort of vision or inspiring possibility that pulls us. And I empathize with the fact that a lot of people are pushing through. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Like in my case, you know, I grew up in a really loving home. My dad had a lot of like early struggle in his career and him losing and having to close the doors on his company when I was a little girl, you know, I was around a dad who was like hustling to fix everything in his career, and his business. And, and then I myself, when I grew up, I was so used to being around that survival mode that it created this way for me of constantly and chronically, arguably – pushing through. And I was so in survival that I never really tasted thriving. And even when I started to have real financial success in my business, I experienced a huge failure and lost hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars in revenue and hundreds of thousands of dollars to my name. And for the longest time, I was on the brink of burnout, just paying it off, like paying off all my debt, clearing all my mistakes. And so growing up, it was like, being around a dad who was like hustling to make things happen, I was always exhausted and always in fear. Like, am am I going to have a roof over my head? You know? And then for me, losing all my money, it was like, I was in survival building the company. And then you know, back into survival mode, fixing the company, and so at nearly 33 years old, this is truly the first time in my life where my my debts are paid, and I'm in a grounded relationship, and I have a home that I'm finally thinking about thriving. And um, while burnout and all of the patterns and ways of being that create it. Uh, shouldn't be negotiable. I do think that a lot of us end up in situations where we've just got to get by. And yes, there's a choice to thrive at any time. But also, yes, we have to handle our situation and it might evolve a lot of um, pushing through, especially if you have kids or you're a single parent, all of that. So I think be kind to yourself. Uh, notice what you really need. Know thyself and start to question if you're feeling really depleted by your work. Is it that you're just not On purpose because a lot of the times we don't even think about what we really want and then that leaves us nothing to live into and plan around and we can't really reach any goals if we don't get clear on what goals we want and so my encouragement for you is to check in with your purpose know yourself set some boundaries and love yourself thanks again for listening can't wait to hear from you feel free to tag me dm me all the things sending you love